Shomrabyog. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the tiny room. Welcome back to On Shomrabyog. It is on the 1st of December, an incredibly cold day in the tiny room, and my small rat night nipples have become prominent. I am joined today by the man whose eyes are being distracted by my tiny rat light nipples is Ben. I can't say rat like. No. Rat like nipples. They're like glimmering diamonds in the rough, Michael. Oh, it's very just, good, there's yes. so much mystery. Look at them. Look at so them. So much They're mystery. So small, but so prominent. Goodness. Benjamin, it is exceptionally cold in here today. It uh, is. Our facilities manager has turned off the heating for us. That's what you get for not paying your bills. No, we did pay the bills. The rest of the the studio space, Ben, <laughs> the AKA, huge AKA epic my studio space that we have, is quite warm, but uh-huh. not not in here. Thanks, mm. facilities manager. Gee, what a what a swell job you did, Ben. You know what? I think it's about bloody time for what? This is the bloody team music. <gasps> team music for the podcast. We don't actually have anything. Still good. (laughs) Benjamin. Yes. This week I find myself bereft of things to talk about. Luckily, you have brought us a big long list of stuff. A whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, go on. I can't remember the first thing. I think it's Lucifer, Michael. Uh, which I've been reading. I've been reading a comic book this week, Michael. How unlike you. How unlike me. Um, and I've I've been reading the new run uh, from the Sandman Dreaming Universe, uh, oh. the Lucifer run by Dan Waters. This Dan is just Waters, a great name. Uh, and Sebastian now, Fumara. I don't know. I'm going to jump in on you there, Ben, and ask: Is his name Waters, and you're comically mispronouncing no, it? W a t t e or s Waters. I think it would be Waters. Okay, cool. Um, and Sebastian and Max Fumara or. Fiumara, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Two Italian comic book artists who work together. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah. They uh, must not be from the north and the south of Italy. Because yes. then they wouldn't work together. They just keep shouting at each other. No, then you would just have, oh ah, my God, hey, hey, what you're doing? It's a lot of stereotyping there, Michael. I know, look, that, ben, that will become relevant not, later on in this episode. It's not, you're sowing the seeds. I'm sowing the seeds, Ben. I'm sowing my seeds. Sowing, Oh God! Go anyway, I was I was reading the new Lucifer, Michael, and I have to say, yes. pleasantly surprised, ladies and gentlemen. Just another little a little bit of information about the the day to day running of the tiny room. Today we don't have enough. Our facilities manager hasn't uh, prepared enough water glasses for us, so Ben is drinking his podcasting water from a champagne flute. Next oh, he's to the juggernaut's butt cheeks. He's going to take a picture, so it'll be on the Instagram. I'm going to so, put his arse in prominent view. This is this is good. So you I mean you'll probably be looking at this on Instagram, going, "What's this about?" But now you listen to the podcast and go, "That." That's what it was about. Yep. Not that funny, really. Yeah, well, it is now. I've, I've decided. Look, Sunday posts are hard. <laughs> we have to figure out content for the Sunday schedule. Bloody content, man. We live and <laughs> die by content. Bloody content. Speaking about Lucifer. <clears throat> go on. No, you're talking about Lucifer. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, so, I, I think it's probably not a comic for anyone who's been enjoying the, the now Netflix series of Lucifer. Um, with the bloody big sexy Englishman Tom Ellis playing Lucifer because uh, it's not very like that it is very much like the original Lucifer given to us by the Sandman creator Neil Gaiman mm. um, the David Bowie aesthetic is back you'll remember many many moons ago Michael on this podcast we we broke down kind of why Sandman was such a, a seminal piece of work in the comic books industry and we looked at a little bit of the inspiration there from Dave McKean and Mr. Neil Gaiman and they based him on on David Bowie and that aesthetic Bowie. kind of disappeared because Lucifer got his own series from Vertigo Comics in 2000 and it was with uh, Mike Carey. Mike Carey was the man in charge and a, a, a host, I would say a holy host, but an unholy host mm-hmm. of artistes. Um, and they kind of abandoned that that David Bowie aesthetic. And then we got a really, really, really terrible reboot in 2000 and 
I want to say 2015, um, and it was trying to kind of coincide with the Lucifer TV show. TV show. Um, and it was an awful reboot of the character. And now it's back to its dark, grim, grimy, uh, literary referencing, uh, bizarre, magic is what you make it. It's all about intent, timey-wimey, uppy-downy, netherworldy, nexus-y kind of stuff. It's great. Um, and we'll probably do a whole episode uh, on it in the future, Michael. Oh, will we? If you'll allow me. Oh, well, I'll bloody put it in my notebook. We'll put, it, put it in the, the notebook. Ben's proposals. Of things. Uh, but from there, Michael. Go on. From there. I need to Go take on. a break from all my reading, Michael. And yeah. I went to where everybody goes when they want to take a break from life, Michael. Netflix. You went to chill and to Netflix and chill. Uh, well, I, I I don't know. Can you Netflix and chill by yourself? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. Well, I didn't touch myself to this show, Michael, because that'd be very strange. You didn't touch your shelf. Your yeah. shelf where you have loads of action figures. Yes, exactly. Very clever. Exactly. I don't actually have... An, an interesting thing about Mick, ladies and gentlemen, he thinks everybody has a tiny room filled no. with action figures. Don't they? And frequently goes to people's houses and is bitterly disappointed. Very disappointed in both the service <laughs> and the lack of a room full of action figures. However, their services manager usually has the heating on. Yeah, it's on. <laughs> and then they're fine and they're not cold and they don't have little rat snips <laughs> popping through their t-shirt anyway I watched the toys that made us Michael right uh, which is okay. a little go on. A go on. super nerd documentary on Netflix mm-hmm. uh, where they look at all those big 80s toys you're always banging on about Transformers Transformers Stars Wars Stars Wars mm-hmm. uh, He-Mans and the Masters of the Universe no. um, and I watched the He-Man episode just the He-Man episode quickly last night Michael in a in a, a kind of Drunken fugue state at 1am. Very mm. good. Very good, Michael. Um, very enjoyable. Breaking down. My God. Toy creators in the 80s. Kind of just creeps. Just just, <laughs> just sleazy kind of. Go on. It was almost like a Martin Scorsese movie. Go on. But these guys didn't, you know, run the streets. They ran toys. They ran toys. It was, it was so weird. They, they were like, they would talk about, you know, and we really, you know, we really got those toy companies on board with that big lie. You're <laughs> just like, what? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> what? And it's like, oh, this wasn't for kids. This was money. And you're just like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. oh yeah. It's, a, it's a whole thing. It's a real Michael. sleazy industry. I remember when we did a whole episode once about toy biz. Yeah, we did. Um, not the toy business, but, but you, the company toy biz. You didn't get into the murky Martin Scorsese-esque storylines. Didn't we talk about Ike Perlmutter and his slightly dodgy dealings? Oh yeah, you do. We did talk about Ike, but we didn't talk about He-Man. He-Man, literally, yeah. you have five main He-Man creators. Each one of them has leapt from from the silver screen into real life. It is bizarre. They are larger than life characters. There was one guy, uh, Ron Perlman. S- per- it's not Ron Perlman. It, my brain went there as well. Swanson. It was sweet. It's burgundy. Ron, Ron sweet. Ron Sweet. And he was the guy who came up with the initial kind of mould, the proto-mould mm-hmm. for He-Man. He was obsessed with bodybuilders, Michael. Yeah. And he had kind of a weird fetishistic relationship with him. Yeah, good. And one of the things that I found out that fascinated me is he hated Prince Adam because Prince Adam made him all soft. And he was yeah, like, a feminine. sissy like that doesn't deserve that kind of physique. Mm-hmm. And he says this in the show and you're like, Ooh. it was different times. Different times it back then. It was different times um, back then. I mean, He-Man is just Conan. Yeah. It was basically riding the coattails of the success of Conan. But they did a whole focus group where they let um, you know five year olds play with different toys and mm-hmm. different aesthetics. And Frank Frazetta's Frazetic, Frazetic, uh, <laughs> which is an aesthetic with a Frazetta twist. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. Is the one that got primary kind of primary kind of th- that'll sell. Yeah, nude men will sell. Nude men, nude men will sell. I mean, that's a complicated question for later. But nude men, they'll sell. They'll sell. Sell they'll those sell. nude men. I mean, Chippendales has known that for years, Michael. The furniture makers. 
Yes, the ones who have the furniture exclusively made by large tans felt men in does, the nip. Does the nip and does the Nippendales still <laughs> exist? Even no, Nippendales is long gone. That's Have a very yeah, it's a very okay. obscure reference. Magic uh, Mike. Use a Magic Mike. Magic thing. Michael. Yeah. Magic Michael. Yeah. Not this Magic Michael. Oh, thanks, Ben. I you appreciate are Magic it. Michael. Yeah. But uh, another Magic Michael altogether. Mm. So that was me, Michael. I really enjoyed it. I think we'll, we'll have to probably look at that series. I'm going to watch the whole series, Michael. It's a very good series. And the then I'm going to adapt it into a. I'm going to adapt it into a pitch for Martin Scorsese and we're going to make a Netflix movie together. You, Martin Scorsese and He-Man. And He-Man. Or yep. the story of making He-Man. Yeah. No, no you said yes to both things. Which one is it? It's yes to all of them. Okay. It's yes to all. <laughs> I mean, me and Martin could make a He-Man movie and then we could make something that's probably more of Martin Street, which is a movie about the making of He-Man, mm. um, which is probably more his thing. One of my favourite things is that several of the creators turn around when they get to the Dolph Lundgren kind of ill-fated movie adaptation. Yes. And they keep saying that Dolph Lundgren is too small. And He's I'm just there going, He-Man, no, yeah. that's not true. He's pretty small. <laughs> he's like, not. He's pretty small. He's, Dolph Lundgren is huge. <laughs> he's very tall, but he's he's a bit svelte to be yeah, He-Man. Yeah, that's, that's what they said. He's too svelte. Yeah, he's too svelte. I think they wanted Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I you think want they someone... were all dreaming of Schwarzenegger. You, look, you need someone with the bulk to be He-Man. Yeah, and Schwarzenegger uh, does have that bulk. Good friend of the Shane podcast had a He-Man haircut for a long time. No, yeah, I think he was really inspired by He-Man. Oh, excellent! In the nineties, Shane looked like if He-Man wanted to be in the Matrix. Shane wouldn't actually be a bad He-Man. I, f- I feel like Shane's got it's the not, bulk. It's not pronounced He-Man. He-Man. <laughs> He-Man. The Irish adaptation. Huh, He-Man. 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 Ben, uh, is there anything else that we would like to talk about today? <laughs> uh, well, Michael, unfortunately, go on. We have. We have. A returning segment. Oh no! With brand new music. Okay, hold on. Would you like hold me on. to do a usual theme tune no, no, launch? No, I'll just I'll actually just play it on my phone because ah, I think it's on your own. Boy. Anyway, the the theme that's coming back. Hold on. What? No, don't tell people. Do you have time? We do. Do we have time? No, no, okay. you, don't, you just spin your wheels a tiny bit. We have time. I don't you, really uh, have time to spin. Well, as we know, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes mm-hmm. I open my mouth before I should. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I haven't quite checked. Your computer is still going. I thought it died. Uh, Sometimes I haven't quite checked uh, to see whether the facts that I'm spouting are facts. And that leads us to our favourite segment. It is like every great 80s theme tune. It's <laughs> Frasier meets Cheers meets Full House. It's, it's incredible. That was sent in to us by who, Michael? That was sent in by a friend of the podcast, Brian. And a boy, Brian. That's fucking great. I've never had a, a song specifically for my hubris. Um, and I will now use that for, for everything. Uh, so that was sent in by Brian and it will be the new thing on Ben's retractions. We have two retractions this week. Michael. Oh, wow. Two retractions. <coughs> Last week, you'll yes. recall that I said the new Charlie's Angels is directed by none other yes. than the very prominent female director, Elizabeth Shue. She's a karate kid. She's a karate You're kid. You're thinking of the karate kid. I was misled by Michael and Shane's antics on the previous podcast. She would be a shoe-in for the role if she auditioned <laughs> for it. There it is. It was Elizabeth Banks, Michael. Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks noted lady. Lo- Elizabeth Banks. Lizzie B, she goes Lizzie by. B, uh, who was giving out saying that the world wasn't ready 
for an all-female cast, even though uh-huh. we've had many oh, attempts at this in the past. Are no, we? we're not at all. Uh, moving on from there, we have a <laughs> second retraction, Michael. Yes. You asked me, yeah. was the Castlevania anime series written by We Grantiem? Yes. It wasn't at all. It's Warren it was Ellis. by Warren Ellis. It's Warren Ellis. Oh, the fools, both of us there. But it's my segment, so you can fuck off. I'll take all the blame. <laughs> I'll take all the blame. Yeah, you see, Dan, well, I'm not sure I ask. That's, that's one of my keys. That's because you're a man of patience <laughs> and humility. I, on the other hand, am an arrogant... <laughs> stain on the face of humanity. Yeah, I so, think that's fair, yeah. There you go. Tiny nipples. Tiny nips. <laughs> just just <laughs> micro nips. <laughs> micro nips. Anyway, what else are we talking about, Michael? Uh, ben, you have written here something about Astartes, but you know, this is what happens when you do the running order. I don't know what you want to talk about. I'm yeah, excited to hear. Fair enough. So this is this is something that, that Mick turned me on to. Oh, I turned you on quite nips. often. Um, it's just when the nips come out. I, I wish the services manner hadn't done it. It's very hard to it's focus. It's quite warm now. It's quite warm. It's heating up nicely. The heating, the heating up on. nicely. Um, Astartes is just a phenomenal YouTube channel where one guy has taken it upon himself to make what is arguably the best Warhammer 40k video series ever. Video series might be a strong word. It is essentially a one short. A fan divide. film? It's a fan, a short fan film. It's only about seven minutes, I think, yeah. in to- if, if even. But well, yeah, it's very good. Well, unfortunately for the gentleman making this phenomenal series, he was hacked, Michael, and his oh, channel no. was stolen. Oh, very bad. Um, and the YouTube community was outraged. The were. nerd community in general was outraged. But basically, um, the guy who hacked his channel mm-hmm. attempted to sell the rights to this guy's creative property to, to different things and then wow. charged people to watch them. Oh, no. Um, however, yes. one very nice member of the Warhammer 40k online community yes. from a Reddit Yes. Um who, who seemingly has an endless supply of money, bought the channel back. Ha, very um, good. Who seemingly, so obviously he has a, a facetious amount of money. But this is again uh, with a fresh wave of attacks on what is technically creator-made properties. Oh, is it though? It happened. Well. Is it though? Well. Is it? Why? What's, well, what's your I suspicion mean, here, Michael? Well, no, I'm not saying it's, the, I, I'm not arguing that the person who stole the stuff stole the stuff, but... Is it is it creator made creator owned? Because I mean, it's it's, well, it's, a, it's an intellectual property. It's the Warhammer intellectual property, isn't it? Yes, but I suppose he was making it without charging people. Uh, mm, that doesn't always cover you. No, it probably doesn't. It depends no. how litigious the IP holders are, and they are quite litigious. At Games 40K. Workshop in the past have been very litigious. They seem to be relaxing a little bit now. Well, mean, especially it, when you see something of that quality, where you're just like, "Oh, this is yeah," <laughs> and they seem to be kind of embracing fan fan work but but Ben as you well know in IP law if you don't defend your product if you don't defend your IP then when someone big does come along and claim it and you don't have a history of defending it that can be taken as a sign that you have no interest in defending it really that's that has always been Games Workshop's stance on why they pursue small creators so doggedly so doggedly not because they have anything against that small creator or see them as any sort of threat but that if they, they don't, don't want somebody else it, yeah. sliding into their IPs, Whoop. Um, well, that's no good. But um, it it comes on on the back of a fresh wave of kind of attempts on monetizing what is effectively not for profit fan creations and the SCP. Uh, What's brand, SCP then? SCP is Secure, Contain, and Protect, which is the internet community uh, that writes creepy little fictions about objects and creatures that defy the laws of physics Sometimes. and nature most of the time. Um, and it's under attack in Russia again. Some guy tried ah, to copyright old, it all again. The old Russians, and they had a they had a 
kind of a creation, uh, or sorry, not a creation, a f- GoFundMe kind of thing mm-hmm. for the legal fees over in Russia. So that's currently a court case ongoing in Russia. Oh, really? About attempted claiming of uh, intellectual property that's supposed to be for everybody, Michael. Are you saying that the guy who stole the Astartes channel was also Russian? Uh, he was. It's, oh, he was. It's, it's been... That's ethnic it, it probably is, Michael. It probably is. All Russians are hackers. You know yourself. <laughs> uh, you know yourself. But that's what I wanted to tell you, Michael. But it had a happy ending because they on. bought the channel back and gave it back to the original guy. Well, it had a happy ending for the hacker as well then, didn't it? What happens he got that money. He got that damn money. What happens so we don't negotiate with terrorists? Doesn't apply to internet culture. That's what bloody Hans Gruber. If Hans Gruber comes back in the now times, he'll be an internet hacker who just takes down popular websites. Alan Rickman passed away. You no, not back. Alan Rickman, Hans Gruber. You can't come back. You can. Alan Rickman passed away. They'll do a reboot. They'll reboot it with a... Nobody wants a reboot of do. Alan Rickman. Everybody wants a reboot of Die Hard. They want a do reboot they? of... Yeah, they want a reboot of Die Hard with uh, Jon Snow as Alan Rickman. Oh, God. And um, who would be who would be Bruce Willis? Um, There's not many people. Chad Michael would... Murray. Chad Michael Murray. Who is Chad Michael Murray? From One Tree Hill. Chad Michael Murray as... Um, as Bruce Willis, I would have thought your your pick for for a Highlander lad would have been a good Bruce Willis stand. Dustin Clare, Dustin Clare, he's very Australian, uh, very good. small. Jay Courtney would probably get it. Jay Courtney will probably no, be he the new be, he Bruce Willis. Well, he's already plays Bruce Willis' son in the Die Hard. Oh, series. does he? Yeah. Okay, never mind. Then. <laughs> he was the new. Never Die mind. Hard. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, good uh, ear to the ground there, Ben. Jay Courtney just always picks just slightly the wrong role. It's like, yeah, you're doing really well because you're in a big movie, but you could have chosen better. I don't know why Jay Courtney is a Hollywood star. It he's not. Make any I, th- sense. I, I think. I think the fact of the matter is he's not a Hollywood star. He's but, Hollywood star adjacent. But why is he always in the films? Because he makes it. Because he's got a really good agent. <laughs> so that, that really good agent can't lock down that last little bit that he needs. I mean, they they set him up to take over the Die Hard franchise. They set him up to take over the Terminator franchise. He they fucked set them him, both. <laughs> I don't think he fucked them necessarily. It's just what was he even there for? Yeah, what? he's no he's no good. Why was he there? Jay Courtney is a perfectly passable TV action hero. Very good in Spartacus. Yeah, I haven't seen him in Spartacus. No, you should watch Spartacus. It's very good. I'm going to have to. He comes up on this podcast way too often these days. Look, spoilers for a thing that's nearly 10 years old. He does get killed. Oh. So that'll probably be your favourite episode because you now hate Jay Courtney. Well, I don't hate him, Michael. Why do you hate Jay Courtney? I'm quite apathetic towards... I think it's Jai. Jai. I think it is Jai Courtney. I think I might hate it because I have to call him Jai Courtney when it's clearly (laughs) spelled Jay Courtney. No, it's Jai. Jai. It's J-A-I. Jai. Jai Courtney, man. Jai Courtney. Oh, fl- oh there's a bit Good of stereotyping there. Yeah, another bit of shri- flagrant put, put a shrimp, stereotype. Put a shrimp on the barbecue. Put a shrimp on the barbecue there, pal. Famously, Ben, they don't call them shrimps in Australia. They call them prawns. Did they? Yeah. Did they? That phrase was invented to sell Australia in Australian tour by the Australian tourism board to Americans. Get out of town. And they were like, well, the bloody Americans won't know what a prawn is. Get out of town. Mate. Get out of town. So they said, get, get Mick, Mick Crocodile Dundee. Get out of town. <laughs> Paul, get Paul Mick Crocodile Dundee Hogan to go over and tell them to put a shrimp on the barbie. Put and then that'll, shrimp on the barbie. That'll up uh, tourism. Yeah. Yeah, they reattempted that a couple of years ago. Do you remember that for the Super Bowl? No. It looked like a sequel to Crocodile Dundee, but it yeah, was just a with, really extravagant ad. With Margot Robbie. <laughs> yeah, Margot Robbie. Australia's greatest export. Oh, Australia's 
greatest export. What a what a great great thing Australia's done for the world. Thanks Australia. Thanks Australia. We between, really appreciate it. Between that and the prawns. Between that and the prawns. It's just been a win. We've really just laid into Australia today, Ben. <laughs> Speaking of Ben. Go on. No, oh, no, we've trying to jump the gun. Ben, you've have you been keeping track of the Mandalorian or are the airfares becoming too expensive? I I'm afraid I've run out of of the funds required to to keep up with the Mandalorian. I did see episode 3 this week. No good. That's ages ago. It's the last of my monies. Ah. Oh. I saw episode four, Ben. Of course you did, Michael. Epi- the Mandalorian has finally hit peak trope. Oh, good. It, I, it was like watching it from the island of San Tropez. <laughs> I, like, I quite like what I did there. That was I quite good, wasn't it? it was um, <clears throat> It was the episode, Ben, we all knew was coming. It was inevitable. And it was exactly what you would imagine. It's just spot on summarizing. Yeah. What episode would you imagine, Ben, we all knew was coming? The The conflict between... Oh no, he has to seek shelter now or something, doesn't he? He has to do a runner. Uh, and he has uh, to go back to the past, is it? Is no, it? there's no going back to the past, oh, no. Ben. It's a classic homestead defense episode. Okay, okay, get back on the range. He goes back to the range and there's bandits and there's oh, a... Oh, bloody bandits. And there, guess what type of characters there are. Oh, there's some There's some screw loose guys, there's, there's some intense guys, there's yeah. some you shouldn't be here. Yeah, guys. Is there a little a, bit of shoot? you shouldn't be here? Not really, a little oh. tiny bit. There's a sexy widow... Ooh, who looks after him? And, oh yes, and then you know peak Western tropes, peak trope. I was like, oh. oh, I'm on the island of San Trope here. Oh, excellent! It was yeah, it's a Western. But Michael, more importantly, is it good? It's quite good. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it's quite good. That's all I wanted to hear. It's Michael. um, it's what I always thought about Star Wars that you could just do any film but make it in a Star Wars. Yeah, great. And this one is the Western Homestead Defense Great. episode. I think Pedro Pascal has given us one of the most fleshed out Star Wars characters of all time. And he still doesn't take his fucking helmet off. Still not take his helmet off. Gina Garano's in it. <gasps> yeah. Well, that's got my attention. Did you not know Gina Garano was in it? No, I didn't. Yeah, she plays a, a shock trooper. Ooh. An ex-shock trooper. Ooh. She's a grizzled veteran. Ooh. They do a little fight. Ooh. She does a bit of jujitsu. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's, that's peak Michael. Eh. Has Shane Courtney seen this? I don't know. <laughs> he should. probably will. It yeah. sounds very Shane Gordon. We all know he's got some issues. He's got s- several. Several, but I'd say that's it's peak bloody Shane. Peak Shane, yes. Peak exactly. Shane. It's very good, though. Very it's enjoyable. Very okay. But, I mean, Ben, you know, the, the, you know what you love saying? You know when you're watching a thing and then you see a trope and then the opposite happens and you just stand up and go, meh, meh, meh. And then you say trope subverted. Yeah, I'm famous for that, am yeah. I? Yeah, that's why I won't go to the cinema with you anymore. Only <laughs> <laughs> you know, the twist. You go, meow, meow, meow. <laughs> trope subverted. And I somehow have a whole crew of urban youths in yeah. behind me going, oh! <laughs> um, none of the tropes are subverted. It's so expensive for a bit. Yeah, yeah. But none of the tropes are subverted, is what I'm saying. It just plays out exactly. <laughs> it's exactly as it's. Oh, I was trapped on the island of Saint Tropez, Ben. It was. Uh, I can't think of any other puns with trope That's in all it. Right, fine. Trope, trope. I mean, the the weather was tropical. Uh, that was good. Uh, lead, lead us into what we're doing. This uh, week, uh, it's funny that you should mention the Star Wars universe yet again, Michael. As 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 some of the listeners may have noticed, Michael, we've we've been a little bit risque with some of our uh, with some of our international bits today. We've had a go at some Australians. We had a we had a little bit of an Italian yeah, gesture yeah, off. Look at me. And the reason we're doing that, Michael, is because uh, we're bad people. Because we're bad people, <laughs> and you shouldn't do that. Yes. Um, but because we've been watching so many so many states. 
staples in fiction, Michael, and because we've been surrounded by things, and because last week, Michael, mm-hmm. on our episode of Collecting Issues, we took a look at Mr. Chris Claremont. Yeah. Um, and we got we got around to the topic, Michael, of... Noted sex weirdo, Chris Claremont. Noted sex weirdo, Chris Claremont. We got around to the topic of bloody ethnic stereotyping in comics and pop culture, Michael. Yes. Uh, and we were taking a look at just... Sometimes, Michael, creators yes. go a little bit off in how they decide to represent different cultures. And there's a number of reasons for it, Michael. But before we get into that... Yeah. Before we get into that, yeah, what is even the difference, Michael, between yeah. ethnic stereotyping and racial stereotyping? I don't know, Ben. Oh, oh, did you want me to answer that? Yeah, you're well, the you're the what even is. Well, okay, episode. I'm doing the what even is, Ben. Well, I mean, I suppose we're talking about what's the difference between ethnicity and race. Y- yes, I suppose that is what we're That's talking what about. You're really, you That's what you really because that's what I'm really asking. You don't Michael. really need to define the difference between ethnic stereotyping and racial stereotyping, Ben. Go on. So, what is the difference between ethnicity and you race? Speak into your mic, Ben. Do you believe? Do you do you believe that race exists? <laughs> oh, aren't we all one race so aren't we all one you see what I'm saying are you Are you doing is this because you've been watching We Are The World on loop and Bob Geldof's ill-fated Live Aid concert what's, where we're all about the Michael human Jackson? race and the children of the future um, no it's not but I mean yeah it, it's it's. look Ben let's let's break it down this way okay this, this is a sensitive issue It very it can be a sensitive issue very and the opinions that Ben presents on this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of Sean Rubio Limited. Yeah, it's all my own. Any <laughs> any any bloody horrible racist comments that I make are my fuck up. Yeah, it'll probably uh, be accidental. In, it in his usually defense. is in his defence. It will probably be accidental. Ben, get us started there. <laughs> Fair enough. So what got us onto this topic was we were taking a look at a lot of different things, and Chris Claremont, I think, noted sex weirdo. Chris noted Claremont. sex weirdo, but old comics in general. Uh, not only engaged in a little bit of ethnic stereotyping, but yeah. but really kind of basked in it on occasion, mm-hmm. Michael. It was just awkward. Um, and I think one of the best examples of that would probably be his X-Men, uh, when he introduced the Uncanny X-Men. As, as we've said many times before, Michael... A lot of a lot of what the Uncanny X Men run became was introducing new blood yeah. uh, to the X Men franchise, and originally, poor L. Scott and the gang of X Men, who were yeah. all American and very white, um, got swallowed up by the island Krakoa, and Professor X, rather than call it a day and perform no more heinous acts of cruelty on adolescents, yeah. he went and got a brand new bunch. But this time, it was uh, X Men Two International Boogaloo. And uh, he went and got himself a little crew together from around the world. So we had brand new uh, ethnic kind of people brought in. New, new countries, kind of people. Uh, new countries brought in, new superheroes. And unfortunately... Unfortunately for you. What Chris Claremont chose to do was he chose to make a lot of those countries their personalities. Yeah. <laughs> and the stereotypes that Chris Claremont understood to be a stereotype of those countries. So I suppose... It's not fair to say that he did that with every character, but there are some notable uh, people involved in there. One of them is is standing here in front of me in in your traditional nineties X Men the animated series lineup. There's Jim Lee X Men uniforms. It's Colossus. Ben, who were the characters that he introduced? The the full six. So uh, we have Sunfire, who was the Japanese themed superhero. Oh yeah, he was dressed as a Japanese flag. Yeah, we have Thunderbird, who is the Native American-themed superhero. He's got feathers. <laughs> we had Storm, yeah. who is the African queen stereotype. Probably kind of. the least 
least stereotyped character. of them all. Well, we'll get to that in a second, Michael. All right, all right, all right. All right. He's, off. He's off, Ben. Uh, Colossus, yeah. <laughs> who was the Russian stereotype. Literal Iron Curtain. Kurt Wagner, yeah. who was the super German mm-hmm. uh, stereotype. And then bloody Wolverine. Yeah, he's a Canadian uh, wild who man. Who is the Canadian wild man. Um, so, I mean, we've already kind of hit upon that. But these guys would have been the majority of the... Oh, sorry. And, of course, Banshee. Was Banshee not already around? Was he introduced in that run? Oh, maybe he wasn't. I don't think he maybe was. Maybe he wasn't. I don't think he was. No. I don't see him in my mental image of the cover of Giant Size X-Men number one. You're right. I don't see a Sean Castle. We'll, we'll have to check that. We could be we could be slightly wrong there, ladies and gentlemen. But ba- Banshee was in there as well. But I guess <laughs> I guess because X-Men was doing so well, Chris <laughs> Claremont said, <laughs> well, nobody cares about this, so I'm just going to do it this way. Yeah. Um, and each one kind of represents their ethnicity in a unique way, usually through a catchphrase, Michael, that each character was given Yeah, that really gave away where they were from. Kurt Wagner says, mein Gott. Mein Gott. Uh, every time something goes wrong. Mein Gott. We're all out of cereal. Mein Gott. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to pay a little bit extra for parking. Mein Gott. Oh, there's a bunch of robots killing all our people. Mein, mein Gott. Gott. Uh, mein that God. was just a phrase that went around. It's a great action figure. It is a fantastic action figure, Might Michael. Might be the best. Uh, then we had Colossus, whose yeah. catchphrase was Boij Moy yeah. or Lennon's Ghost. Lennon's Ghost on, is my favourite. Depending on how Chris was feeling that day. Um, and he was a farming man mm-hmm. who stepped straight out of a post, a propaganda poster yeah. for Russia. I think he worked on the collectives. He worked on the collectives, he did. And he had to leave his family behind to yeah. become an X-Men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wolverine was the Canadian wild man and yeah. his was kind of bub. Yeah, That's yeah, just what we came up with. He was always the best of what I do. Yeah. He was, people friend, buddy. Buddy. Yeah, and it was a lot of that. Um, and he was really feral and just just a lumberjack with claws was Typical basically Canadian. the characterization yeah. that we're going for there. And then we had Storm. And At least he's not in the Canadian flag unlike later Alpha Flight members. Oh, Alpha Flight. Oh, that has its own problems. Mm. <laughs> we'll come along down. Don't worry, they're all on the list there, Michael. And then we have the the wonderful Storm who's probably the most enduring character of the lot. What? Um, they're all super Hold enduring. On, Wolverine said, and Storm would be the... Have you just said Wolverine is less enduring than Storm? Uh, yeah, I may have made a mistake there. Yeah, you did. I made Just a mistake there. <laughs> um, but anyway, Storm it has, by the goddess, is the phrase that she uses she most often uh, in the comic books. And But doesn't she also call herself a goddess? Yes, no, she is. She When when we meet Storm in Uncanny X-Men number one, she is worshipped as a goddess in Kenya. Um, oh, Kenya. She's, the, she's called the Wind Rider. And she's the goddess of the, the wind. But then and she says, by the goddess. That's like if I got into an accident and I said, holy me. Well, you do oh, say yeah, that, do, Michael, yeah. quite often. By Mick's beard. By Mick's beard. <laughs> Mick's ghost. I'm not dead. Uh, no, but you will be one day and you're preempting it. Oh. Um, he dies in a Highlander-esque battle, by the way, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen. Um, With Shane. It's Yeah, it, and they both take each other out at the exact same time. Yeah, and that's how Jim wins. Which leaves me to do a mono podcast. <laughs> I have the power. Um, while there's nothing overtly terrible in Claremont's uh, run, like the, there's nothing... I don't think Sunfire was on the bloody cover of Giant Size you know, X-Men number one. He definitely was. Oh, um, keep spinning your wheel Sunfire is incredibly Japanese. Oh, he's uh, the most Japanese man um, ever japanese And it's it's... Pretty dodgy here and there. And then Thunderbird is, again, just a very typical stereotype of of what would have been the media version of that character at the time. There's nothing overtly horrific about these stereotypes. 
But in terms of representation, I would imagine if you were somebody from Russia, if you were somebody from Japan, if you were somebody from Germany. Yeah, he's not on the cover. It's uh, it's, it's Nightcrawler. What gives another look there? Nightcrawler, Thunderbird, Colossus, Storm, Cyclops and Wolverine. Oh, guess. Gas. Gas stuff altogether. Gas stuff altogether. Well, Sunfire wasn't even on it. Uh, he left the team shortly after. He did not last very long on that X-Men run um, because he was a very prideful uh, Japanese man and he left in a huff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do the whole 30 seconds. Um, but one of, the, one of the interesting things, Michael, is, as I said, there's nothing overtly horrific about these. No. But it does represent what what, what came to be known, Michael, or what has yeah. come to be known in academic circles as oh. critical research failure. All right, school schoolboy. No, that's and we're just going to call it CR, CRF. Okay, that's what we're going to call boy. it, just to, to get along with this. But it basically means yes. it's, it's the limit of the creator's research, where they've just assumed something about the country, right. or they've assumed that that's the way something works, and they haven't really bothered to check. Go on. When we meet Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. he's running through a tiny little German hamlet. Yeah. And the people chasing him are all in Lederhosen. Oh, yeah. Um, Maybe it was at Oktoberfest. And, <laughs> and that, in the 1960s, was not entirely accurate. Um, Storm. Yes. Uh, who is the, the daughter of Kenyan diplomats mm-hmm. um, with mutant powers. Feels most at home with her powers when she's naked. <laughs> so there are many panels in the Chris Claremont run Sex where Storm will do Claremont. a little, a little totter out into the into the moors mm. in the nip, and she'll ascend to the clouds in the nip, um, and her hair tactically covers everything that I, you. I didn't know that. that you ben. need to see. What a shame they've gotten rid of that. <laughs> uh, Colossus yeah. is. Riddled with guilt towards his communist leanings, yeah, um, and frequently laments his kind of letting down of the collective. Mm. Um, and again, he's a hard-working man who just believes in hard work. Yeah, That's yeah. The, he is the equivalent of boxer from Animal Farm. He is, um, and again, and he has a good square haircut. A good, good square haircut. Great design. Love Colossus. Great character. Um, but again, it could be offensive to somebody from. That country, oh, I think, it certainly was Ben. What was pointed out to us, Michael, mm-hmm. and the one that we haven't talked about is Banshee, because he wasn't in that Uncanny One, uh, Uncanny X Men One run. But Banshee is the greatest stereotype of our country ever. Um, I think it was the original inspiration for our series Irishman's Spaws. I think he was. We um, did a whole episode about Banshee. We did a whole episode about him. And uh, Agent Delta cosplay on Instagram uh, really outlined how he felt about that character, and he said. As much echoing ourselves, Michael, there was nothing overtly offensive about that character. It didn't hurt his feelings or make him feel, but it made him cringe and it yeah. made him go, oh, yeah, oh, because Begara is Begara uh, is Banshee's catchphrase in the the X Men run, and he's constantly smoking a pipe. He is. He has a big proud Aaron jumper on him when he's not in his his spandex costume. Yeah. He plays the piano for the lads when they're relaxing. Is, yeah. um, loves an old drink. Bet he does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> slapping his wife around. Uh, slapping his wife around whenever he gets a chance. And he's there charming people. Ah, yeah. sure look. Sure look, I love a woman. He'll put uh, your tarmac down for you. Badly. He'll put your tarmac down for you. Yeah, I, I, you know, there's you <laughs> You can see a lot of different accents kind of come through there. But I think probably what marks Claremont's run out um, as something that is risque ethnic mean, stereotyping. Uh, noted sex weirdo Chris Claremont. Yes, noted sex weirdo Chris Claremont. Is that 
these phrases weren't only used in the introduction of the characters, they became the staple repeated phrases of these characters. Um, and they were just hammered home. Boyge Moy was throughout the Claremont run. Lennon's ghost made an appearance all the time uh, by the goddess Storm in the Nip. They never really progressed as characters, which is more symptomatic of comics at that time. I think that's just comics at that time. Doesn't uh, Black Widow also say Boyge Moy? Yeah, I think she, she does. I think she says it a couple of times in the Marvel Cinematic Universe films as well. I think she might slip it in once or I twice. I think she does slip it in once uh, or twice. But, um, I mean, that is just... That's how... Remember, Ben, there's been a seismic... I've completely gone off topic here. That's there's okay. been a seismic shift in the world of comic books and this type of entertainment. They used to be squarely aimed at children. And... Characters were simple and easily defined by one or two things, like a costume and a catchphrase. Name a cla- name a character from that era of anything that isn't defined by a very specific look and a very specific catchphrase. And I mean movies, television, everything. It would be very hard to do, Michael. Because that's, that's how entertainment aimed at the young seemed to work back then. Yes, and we do have to give it a pass for, look, that was the time. Whereas now these days, you go into a comic book shop and you have to look around for the kids' comics. Yes, Michael, because they don't exist anymore. And as they do, people, no, they, there are still kids' comics do. and they sell very well, but I mean, the, the comic book market is sweaty men our age. And sweaty. I don't sweat. And sweaty women our age. I don't sweat. That's it's cold in here. Yeah, it's bloody freezing. Those it's nipples, quite, Michael. It's quite warm over here now. My back is warm. Just little gems. Ben is looking something up on his attention. phone now, so I'm... No, no, because, Michael, you, you have a is. very fair point. Hmm. The the older uh, ethnic stereotyping is completely, uh, you know, you can make your peace with it very easily. What you can't do, Michael, is if a world-famous uh, writer of comic books does it in around 2010. Oh, go on. We Grant TM. Oh, you're always on on about Grant yeah, TM. I love Grant TM because he's... He, he wrote Castlevania, didn't he? He gets... <laughs> very good. Because uh, <laughs> he didn't, you see. It was Warren Ellis. Uh, it was Warren Ellis. And Warren I, Ellis is like Grant TM if Grant TM was a prick. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to argue that. Sorry, it was 2008, by the way. That's Go another on, quick retraction. If you want to get the music out there. But um, Grant E.M. took over on the Batman run in 2008. And he began to write pretty much everything around the Batman or IP storyline, which was, you know, touted as the end of Batman in the comics and stuff like that. Even though it wasn't at all. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't at all. But he did an excellent little mini series, Michael. Go on. Um, called The Black Glove in, right. in a kind of prelude to this. Uh, it's about O.J. Simpson. A prologue. Yes, it was all about O.J. Simpson. And Batman forces the glove onto his hand to see yeah. if it fits. Right. Um, it's a whole thing. But, um, Michael, basically, the Black Glove is all about the the international Batman who have taken inspiration from Batman oh, and are yes. in a little club. Yeah, Batman well. Um, yeah. The it, Spanish Batman. Exactly. And it's... It's pretty bad. Um, I was going, I was going home for them to try and take a look because I read this entire run and it hadn't occurred to me. Luchador Batman at the time, yeah. Is there a Luchador of. Batman? So the the Batman that's been inspired in South America is called Gaucho. Oh yeah, and Gaucho has a big black handlebar mustache. Oh yeah, of course he does. Wears a white t shirt yeah. and all leathers. Oh yeah, and his mask is simply a bandana. <laughs> That has holes cut out. So he's Zorro. And his weapon is a bolo. So he's Zorro, basically. Basically. Hmm. But he's also, and this is where it gets a little bit murky, 
He has a short temper. Yeah. His phrase is hombre. Okay, good, yeah. And he'll frequently challenge people to knife fights in the street. Oh, good. Which is, Michael, Yeah. a big, broad stereotype that is died it? with West Side Story. <laughs> um, and Grant M just kind of introduces it no problem. And it gets worse from there, Michael. Go on. Uh, we don't just use, you know, really far-flung superheroes. There's an English Batman. Oh, is there? Called The Knight. Bat Gentleman. And his Robin is called The Squire. Oh, very good. Yeah, I like that. And they yeah. sometimes stop crimes to drink a spot of tea. Very good. Uh, they stop crime fighting to have a sip here and there. Uh, cheerio is his catchphrase. Very good. Ben, this sounds to me possibly like Grant M was aware that this I is, think he was. This is on purpose. But on occasion, yeah. he doesn't make any apologies for that. No, why would he? You don't make apologies uh, for something. <laughs> if you're doing a pastiche, if you're making a pastiche, you don't say. No, it's a really serious storyline. That's why it's it's <clears throat> not really... A pa- it would be all right if it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek jab at this kind of thing. But occasional plot points for these characters hinge on their ethnicity. Mm-hmm. The the Italian Batman ah. is Centurion. Why is he not called Omo Pipistrello? <laughs> because it's a mouthful. That's quite hard to say. That'd be better, though. Uh, I would enjoy a Scottish man going, Omo Pipistrello, <laughs> which is just a very complicated sequence of sentences. Um, and the centurion is past his prime, Michael, because he's been eating too much. He's, he's, ah, a he's, a mama's, Italian. he's having mama's pasta. Mama put on the pasta. And back in the day, Michael, yes. when he was at his peak, mm-hmm. he drove around on a little Vespa. Of course he did, yeah. A bat- <laughs> That's how he fought crime. Ben, this sounds like a pastiche to me. It was. <laughs> it was absolutely a pastiche, Michael, because all these storylines are much darker. We're kind of revisiting these heroes. Um, the whole pastiche is a, is a Grant E.M. classic trope mm-hmm. where he went back through the, the, the comic books and he found you know, something silly and he's brought it and he's made it grim and dark and twisted. Um, basically what happens is we meet all these international versions of Batman and none of them are doing as well um, as they should be. They're all kind of washed up and grim and dark. There's a Swedish Batman oh, yes. called The Spa. Uh, Night Owl, I think is his name. No, that's him. No, no, no. I think that's the whole point. It's dark night, dark... Dark Owl, Owl. Or something like that. The night, the, the night Darkness, man. There's a Native American one called uh, Apache. Oh, or, no, it's The Chief. The Chief, the Chief yeah, sorry. Nice on the nose. And he's an alcoholic now. Oh, good. And then uh, the Italian guy is overweight. Um, the the Swedish version, the, the you know, the Scandinavian version is all his, bored all his, in his sleepy Swedish town. There's no real crime for him to fight. And all his bat technology is flat-packed. <laughs> and he's he like, just give me... together himself. Just give me 20 minutes and I'll put uh, this together and then I'll stop ooh, the that's, crime. That's risque. And I, I think maybe where this series could draw a little bit of ire is the way that these heroes have washed up yes. is an ethnic stereotype. But, I mean... Because the Native American is now an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, the Italian guy is obese from eating too much food. Um, you know, it's a little bit uh, risque to kind of engage in that kind of thing. It's a good series and it's an excellent look at how, I suppose, the attitudes of the Claremont era or the attitudes of comic books back in the day um, were. And it's a good way of investigating those and kind of pulling them apart a little bit. But I'm not sure that the way he washes these characters up or the way he brings them to a tragic end is okay. I don't know. It's 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 interesting for me. Uh, oh, I forgot that wrong. 
Slightly indulgent and liable to shock, especially by being sexually suggested. Yeah, alcoholic Native Americans turn me on. <laughs> Did I turn you on? Very good. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I think in this particular case, it's good, but it treads the line between what could be offensive and what might not be. And it's a much more modern take um, on those characters. But I found it Look, very ben, interesting. Here's my... Ben, let me give you a hot take here. Go on. Let me give you a hot here, take. Michael. I'll give you a bloody hot take, right? That's why we're here, buddy. I don't care about people being offended. That's okay. If you want to be offended, you can be offended. Get out of town. Keep it to yourself. Sure. But um, stereotyping, by its definition, isn't inherently negative. Yeah, okay. There are lots of positive stereotypes. For example? Well, I mean, for example, the stereotype of the... Well, I, I don't have an example, Ben, because that's not where I was going. <laughs> but Oh, okay. Um Stereotyping isn't inherently negative. Sometimes it's pretty neutral. Fair. Sometimes it's just cringingly comical. Yes. And it's often just used... It's it's storytelling shorthand in many yes. ways. Like when we were introduced to those six X-Men, which are a good... They're a good example for this of just... The shorthand was, here's the Russian guy. He's hardworking. He's uh, loyal. He's, he's a bit simple. <laughs> he's a communist. Here's the bloody... Uh, Irish fella, he's very... Oh, he's always singing a song. And he's, <laughs> he's always got a, a, a jaunty tune in his back pocket. Yeah. But, you know, countries that avoid being stereotyped are often the countries who do the stereotyping. So, you know, Ben, our hated enemy is the English. <laughs> okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. You don't see that many stereotypes of English people until you start thinking, hmm, maybe you do, actually. Because you just... If you stop looking only for negative stereotypes, you start to realise nearly every character is a stereotype. Yeah, they have to be. Let's go back to bloody Buffy. Yeah. One of the most insulting stereotypes, and insulting (laughs) in a kind of ridiculous way, was Spike. Oh, Spike. Spike as the... First of all, he's American. He's supposed to be. Oh, the 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 American. Yeah, it's James Marsden. James Marsden. No, it's not James Marsden. Is oh. it not Cyclops? No. James Masters. James Masters, that's it. Um, he, he, first of all, he's American. Hilariously, he can't really do a London accent, which is quite funny. And he is portrayed as this kind of cockney London wide boy. Oi, oi, oi. Oi, oh, all right, lads, I've got to fucking do a kick in the head in my coat. And awful, but a very, very, very popular character. Very. And, I mean... Hard to argue that it's a negative stereotype of of Londoners. I mean, it's, it's so far from being a, an actual Londoner, it's hard. It's almost like a comical representation of what it would be to be a Londoner. Yeah, yeah. and you know, so, I mean, is it negative? It's definitely stereotyping. Yeah. Because he's got the, he's like a London punk from the 80s, for some reason, who lives in the early 2000s. and. Uh. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on What's there? Going on? It's it's definitely a stereotype. It's definitely not a, a a complex character, but they make him complex then after they use that shorthand yeah. to introduce him. Oh, he's got a leather coat. He's got dyed blonde hair. He's got a London accent. I suppose he, Constantine would be a he's, good parallel. He's smoking for a fag. Yeah. <laughs> Holy so, shit! Wait, hang on. Spike and Constantine are the same character. No, Constantine's not a hair. Constantine's not a punk. He is. Constantine's whole backstory is that he came from punk. He oh, learned he? he learned death magic and black magic from from punks. Uh, from punks. Oh, I didn't know that. To impress women. Oh, yeah. That's that's. 
that's John Constantine's yeah, whole. And, and Spike was a like a London poet who had his heart broken by a lady and then turned to. I didn't quite have that with Constantine and punk, but yeah, yeah, we had a very good suggestion on the Instagram. Go on. Did you see it? Yes, we did. From, which brings me into my next point. So please, Michael. No, go on. You you uh, roll away. So, uh, friend of the podcast, Doctor Cadwell. Yes. Uh, who you can find on the gram mm-hmm. uh, gave us a little shout out from Deep Space Nine, a very good one, Ben. A I've very, about very good one, and this, I suppose, brings us into the realm of acceptable ethnic stereotyping. Is it acceptable? Well, not not acceptable in a moral sense, but certainly doesn't seem to be as targeted uh, in certain aspects. It doesn't seem to be the the, the draw of much ire. Um, well, Ben, I'm going to interrupt you again. Sorry. Go on. Possibly not drawing much ire because it's outside of our sphere. It is very much outside. It of might our be sphere. people from Louisiana were like, "Oh, for God's sake!" So just to fill this in nice and quickly, yeah, fill it in. Uh, it's Cisco's family from Deep Space Nine. Captain Benjamin Cisco. Uh, I'll just I'll just give it an L read there. Why can't an African American granddad be an architect or a PR agent? Why does he have to be a gumbo chef whose only concern is Creole cooking and jazz? A very good point. A great point. Um. I think that probably probably highlights some of the dangers of casual ethnic stereotyping is it can pigeonhole a character or it can limit a character um, for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, he was like, Benjamin, why do you have to be a Starfleet captain? Why don't you just make a gumbo? Yeah, I, I, I taught you the saxophone <laughs> 10 years ago and now you never play. Why are you flying around <laughs> in that spaceship when you could be making a jambalaya? <laughs> It's oh. like <laughs> I might, I might make a, I might make a jambalaya this afternoon. Oh, jambalaya could be fun, but yeah, pretty much exactly. And that brings us to a lot, a lot of African American culture suffers from this kind of stereotyping. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have many, many examples. I think one of the big ones that comes up is is the the, the magic old man is mm-hmm. is a big trope in yeah. the magic black man seems to be a big trope in a lot of things. Green Mile. Big Southern <laughs> magic, magic black man. Yeah. Um, the old Morgan Freeman's character in, in anything. Yeah. God. Um, in anything. Um, and then one of the big ones for female African-American representation is kind of the sassy black woman. The, mm-hmm. the sassy best friend. Mm-hmm. That kind of whole thing. And that whole culture has been built upon in, in multiple iterations. One of the ones that jumped out to me the most um, over the last couple of years in a now completely defunct series that really didn't make any impact, but True Blood, Michael, you'll recall, was the sexy vampire. True kind Blood of really craze. didn't have a lasting legacy. Now did it didn't stick it didn't the landing. Even, I mean, even what's his name hasn't stuck around in either of them to the degree that we thought they would. Either Stephen Moyer or uh, Bill Skarsgård's older, handsomer brother, Alexander, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, very handsome. Very handsome. Very tall. You could very argue that Bill surpassed him now. Yeah, very wiry. Wouldn't be a good He-Man. Terrible, terrible. He man, yeah, um, but that that whole stereotype has has had a lot of heat lately. Um, one of the more recent examples would be Tara from that. She was constantly uh, to the point of being a contrarian in every episode, um, mm-hmm. simply because she wanted to be a strong, independent woman who didn't need no white man. Very specifically, um, did, she, did she say white? Man? No, she didn't. But that was kind of the the beats of her character in almost every single episode. Um, and her cousin, mm-hmm. I think it was Lafayette, it was was uh, a black gay man uh, who in Louisiana, who was also <laughs> a sassy, independent black gay man who don't need no white man, and also a Creole, cook. and also a Creole cook. Um, 
and that's very interesting to me. Um, is is that not though? in a lot of ways subverted because at least he's got lots going on he's a gumbo chef but he's not the gumbo chef you'd expect he's not just a gumbo chef yeah he's like he's a gay man but he's not just a gay man he's a sassy black man but he's not just a sassy black man <laughs> you know in a lot of ways it's he, a, had, he had a bit more going on I would say it's a good attempt but I, I suppose and there's no harm in that it's good when that that stereotype is subverted and yeah. challenged yeah. and kind of given new flesh and that happened in the, the much maligned new Ghostbusters reboot um both sides of this coin were kind of represented in Leslie Jones. So for anyone who doesn't know who Leslie Jones is, she's, well, she has left SNL now, but she was on SNL for about five seasons. Um, And Leslie Jones was the only black female cast member for a very long time. Um, And she came under a lot of fire. And I suppose the writers of SNL came under a lot of fire because every time she was on screen, she was a loud, uh, obnoxious black woman. That was her character in in most sketches Mm. and I think some people found that hilarious Mm. and other people were like this is not all that black women are Um, and she came under well she didn't come under any fire Um, the company that made the new Ghostbusters film came under fire because in the ad Mm -hmm. in the advertisements in the trailers Michael it seemed to be three white women and comic relief it mm. seemed to be the way she was going to be represented in the thing. She wasn't a doctor or a professor or something like that in the the trailers. She was the Ernie Hudson character. Well, Ernie Hudson, that's like that. It's Ernie a great Hudson example. Was just the working schlub. Exactly, which is a great example of that. And people were quite offended that they were going to continue the stereotype. But it was actually just how they packaged the trailer. Mm. In the actual movie, she's a historian and a doctor in her own right. The real... Um, the real stereotyping of that movie was the typecasting of Chris Hemsworth as just a dumb, handsome guy. Big piece of meat. Yeah. Big piece of meat. That insults my people. Uh, what, as a piece of meat yourself? Yeah, just dumb, As dumb, sexy ha- pieces, as I can dumb, handsome guys. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, Mick is a dumb, handsome guy. Thanks, Bill. But he's a dumb, handsome guy with a degree, in I've fairness. I've several degrees, actually. <laughs> several degrees. More letters after his name than the alphabet. Michael, more letters after his name. Leonard. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's an interesting thing that people are still trying to cash in. The reason that she was packaged in that way um, was to... Now, hold on a minute. Are you speculating here or is this a fact? No, there's been a lot of criticism about this. No, that doesn't answer my question. No, no, no. Are you speculating or is it a fact? Okay, it's not a fact. It's okay, it's speculation. All right, go it's, on. It's not That's my not, speculation. It is well, speculation in uh, general. All I'm saying is you, you asked me to make sure you don't get yourself it's in good. trouble. It's good. Thank you. <laughs> but a lot of that speculation has been around the fact that they were trying to appeal to a very specific um, demographic of black people in the United States. The, the kind people of people who, who watch... Go, yeah, go the on. people who go to a Sinbad movie. The exactly. people who go to a... What's the other guy? Medea. Medea. Uh, what's yeah. his name? Oh, God. Tyler Perry. Yeah. And again, the criticism for that is it limits black people's perceptions of themselves in cinema. Tyler Perry has come under uh, a lot of criticism for that kind of behavior before. Uh, I, I don't know if it's Uncle Tomming, but it's it's playing the stereotype. expected stereotype. I mean, that has affected me in a, in a sense, because if you bring since, up Chris Hemsworth and Ghostbusters Since again. Chris Hemsworth and Ghostbusters, I can only wear glasses with no lenses. In <laughs> no, since, uh, since the Banshee of the X-Men in the 90s, I can never envisage myself as a superhero unless I'm literally wearing green <laughs> yeah, well, and doing something Ireland-themed. Ireland-themed. It's like, yeah. oh, I, I long for the green field, yeah, sinister. Yeah, my, tosser. My abilities are shooting green grass at people, like the green, green grass of home. I just spray Guinness from my face. Fingertips. Guinness That's what man. I do. Yes. 
Uh, I'll do. Uh, I'll. I'll. What else are we famous for? And don't bring a I'll, wife near me because oh, <laughs> oh, I'll give her a schmack. She'll be getting a swift backhand <laughs> from uh, me. I'm the wife schmacker. <laughs> That's me. Um, this is a weird one, Ben. But um, have you ever? I, I'm just. I'm so predictable. Have you ever read Stormwatch? <laughs> yes, I have, Michael. On your um, recommendations, I think times. Warren Ellis did a much better job of an international team there. Yeah, because there's a hint of the X-Men about them. There's a Japanese guy, there's yeah. an Irish guy, there's an African lady, there's an there's American. An Englishman. And, but they're not defined by their nationality. Not at all, not even a little bit. So that's that's probably a good place to, to pick up if you want to go. Michael, we seem to have run over time. We do a bit. Um, but yeah, that's a great shout. So if, if you want to see some interesting ways, two different ways of handling a team, read some of the Kles Garamond X-Men, and then give Stormwatch by Warren Ellis and Al Reed. Um, mm. And you can see that just because a character comes from a certain country doesn't mean that their entire personality has to be defined through that lens. Um, ladies and gentlemen, which one did you? Which ones did we miss? Which ones do you think are kind of a little bit offensive or a little bit on the nose or really limit a character and what they can do? Uh, if you want to hear more about Irish uh, ethnic stereotyping, take a look at our Irishman Suspense series. Famous series, our four episodes. They're on a unique playlist there on the YouTube channel. If you want to give them a listen, mm-hmm. you'll have to scour through the uh, the old archives on Spotify. Speaking of Spotify, Michael, on. we are, of course, on Spotify. If you're listening to us here now... If you're listening to us on Spotify, you knew that. Give us an L follow, though, uh, yeah. just in case you haven't been following us. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, oh, ladies and gentlemen, a review. A review. To engage in a little bit of ethno-stereotyping, sure, I'd be the best friend you'd ever have there oh, if, you, gonna... if, you, if you took the time to just scribble down a quick L review. I'll made get the... you a pint. Made the... <laughs> All right. <laughs> ben will get you, specifically Ben will get you a point, not me. May, may, may the review page rise to meet you. If you're listening to us on YouTube, one of the small demographic that still listens to us on YouTube, yeah. give us now a like and subscribe. Do it's yeah. good for the channel. And throw us a comment down below. If you'd like to get in touch with us to yeah. suggest an episode or something we should review, yeah. we are on seomrabeag.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. It means tiny room in Irish. We are on Instagram at seomrabeag.com, exact same spelling as before because it's uh, the same phrase you can leave us now a comment maybe you're a social media a social media um, and you enjoy getting in touch with us there or you can simply find our email somewhere online and yeah. email us directly Michael and Benjamin's podcast at gmail.com um, as always ladies and gentlemen this has been us Begala and goodbye Ben before we go oh. tell them about the bloody Mickeys oh yeah sorry soon ladies and gentlemen the end of the year is upon us um, and that'll mean that we'll be doing our our coveted coveted Award ceremony, the annual Mickey's, uh, where Mick lashes out the Mickey's for everything he's liked over the year. <laughs> and some of the things we haven't liked. <laughs> and some of the things we haven't liked. We have noted characters such as Bad Egg of the Year. Bad Who Egg do you of think the year, was an yeah. absolute tosspot? Not that much this year. Ah, there's a lot. Of, there's, there's, it's, I think it's just subtler. I think they've okay. adapted. Right, right. I think there's still a pack of pricks around. Yeah. Uh, Bad Egg of the Year, Good yeah. Egg of the Year, yeah. some of the two things that you really enjoyed. We always look for a best series, um, a breakout hit, yeah. an unexpected hit. Um, Best, t- uh, pe- best movie the usual categories you think anything that you deserve is a good Mickey yeah uh, <laughs> that's risque you see you've got it now see I got it now <laughs> anyway that's it from us ladies and gentlemen do get in touch with us and give us your pitches for the rest of the year that's it bye top of the morning <laughs>